This is a Saddleback Church podcast. There is a problem that all Christians wrestle with. Maybe it's even nagging at you right now. That problem is this. How can I be both a sinner and a saint at the same time? It can be easy to see how both of these are true individually in my life. I'm well aware of my sin. I know that I mess up every day, that I I do or think wrong things, so it's easy for me to accept that I'm a sinner. At the same time, I know what it means that Jesus died for me, that he took my sin and nailed it with himself to the cross. And because of my belief and faith in Jesus, the Bible says that I am a saint. And you can see Paul's letters to the Romans, Corinthians, Colossians, etc. for that. So, I can see these two truths about my life, but they seem to be in tension with each other. How do we reconcile these two coexisting realities? For many people, this tension brings a lot of shame or guilt. Maybe you've wondered before, how is it that I keep making the same wrong choices when I'm supposed to have the Holy Spirit living in me? I feel like such a fraud. Today's guest is Brandon Bathauer a spiritual growth pastor at Saddleback and host of two other Saddleback podcasts, The Well and Found. Today, we are going to look at this question. How is it that I exist as both a sinner and a saint? And how should I think about this truth? I'm Jason Wheeland, and this is Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God. Now let's join my conversation with Brandon Bathauer. Brandon, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Excited for a fun conversation about what it means to be a sinner and a saint. You know, when the word sinner gets thrown around, I'm always like, let me go there and yeah. let me have that conversation. Yeah, just clamoring <laughs> just for that. Please Actually, go. this isn't the uh, topic that you wanted to talk about in the series, but this is the one I'm forcing you to talk about hey, in the series. I appreciate the challenge. <laughs> it's good. So we want to start by just acknowledging these two realities. Sinner and saint. So let's start first with the reality of people as sinners. So can you explain for us, talk through a little bit, what does the Bible actually say about um, us as sinners? Yeah, yeah, it's quite the, there really are kind of two narrative arcs of us as sinners and, and us as saints. So let's walk through the narrative arc of us as sinners. So we have our way, God has God's way. If I were to summarize that part of the Bible. We are sinners when we choose our own way, right? Adam and Eve. Our way, our way of doing things, if you think about Adam and Eve, right, they reach out, they snatch the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. It was Adam and Eve saying, I want to define for myself what is good and bad. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to go my own way. And the reality of sin is that our way is perpetuating a rebellion against God. Um, and that's not just humans, that's other spiritual beings, right? We see the serpent there in the garden. There's a lot more. That's a rabbit trail we could go down, yeah. but let's, <laughs> let's not. Um, but sin, just starting with kind of defining this word, um, it, we often think of sin simply in the realm of the bad stuff I've done, 
Yeah. So bad ethical decisions. And that's certainly part of it. But really, throughout the Bible, sin is described as anything that is outside of God's intended good. Yeah. So God has an, an intended good. When he created all things, there was an intended good. And sin is anything that steps outside of that. So uh, that does mean those times that we choose our own way willfully and we say, you know what, God, you said don't eat of this tree, but we're going to grab but from this fruit. But it looks too good. Yeah, we're yeah. going to do that. Um, but it's also just anything that is outside of, of this good. So uh, death and dying, um, decay. There's parts in Leviticus where it talks about when anyone sins unintentionally. Um, so, man, there's a lot about if I trip over somebody and they get hurt, that even is sin. Mm. I didn't intend it. I, I wasn't choosing some bad ethical decision. It was just outside of God's intended good. Um, and so sometimes you'll be reading through the Old Testament and it's like, hey, you're unclean if, you know, you were around a dead body and you're like, what do you, like, I didn't, <laughs> they died right in front I of me. Yeah. <laughs> That's not my fault. How's that my problem? <laughs> And that would be a picture of sin, not as like you did something wrong, mm. but it's something outside of what God's intended good is. Um, now, again, this is not just um, just a lack. It's, a, it's kind of a force. I think of sin kind of like this, uh, like rust, right? It's this, it's this force that can eat away at what good God has for the world. Um, and it's not just us humans, right? Mm. All of the the universe the cosmos that god has made there's this there's this edge this mm. rebellion against god if you go back to the story of cain and abel uh so abel and cain both give their offerings to god god looks favorably on abel's and cain gets all mad right his face yeah. is downcast and god says why is your face so downcast genesis 4 7 if you do what is right will you not be accepted but if you do not do what is right, sin, which is the Hebrew word chata, is crouching at your door. Uh, literally, it's sin is a croucher because it's a, a noun there. So it's like it's crouching. It's, it's sitting right there ready to pounce. Yeah. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So it's interesting. Sin is this reality within us and in this world, this force that's pressing us away from following God's way mm. to say, no, you know, you can be the ruler of this world, not God. Yeah. And so it's this picture of, yes, sin of missing the mark of all of that stuff. Um, but the reality for us as humans, old Testament and new Testament just says like, yeah, this is kind of who we are. Um, Isaiah 53, six says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, which is nice because it rhymes. Yeah, I, I like that. It's a little poem. Yeah. Uh, Handel's Messiah, I think, is um, We Like Sheep. There's a song. Yeah, I think there's pro probably part of that. I, I thought it sounded a little more like Dr. Seuss. Oh, yeah. Rhyming, we but, are like sheep. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, but Handel's Messiah, a little more. I was uh, hoping you'd apropos. sing it, but. Um, well, I don't, re I don't know. It, I don't remember it enough. Okay. It's been many years since I've sung Handel's Messiah. Well, anyway, there it is. <laughs> we Like Sheep Have Gone Astray. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, uh, for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice even in that, we have fallen short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So God's glory, God's intended good 
both in his character, his real good in his character, and the way that he has yearned for his character to flow out into the world. Sin is us not reaching that. Yeah. Um, and so it's this picture that we are these sinners. We have this sin within us. Uh, there's an old hymn, um, Come Thou Fount, mm-hmm. and it has this lyric of uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave this God I love. Mm. And this is the reality of who we are as humans. This is the anthropology of Scripture that we humans have this proneness to wander, that if we just go on default, if we just follow our heart, if we just kind of go on autopilot, we will naturally veer away from God's intended good for the world, mm. both in our um, in our ethical decisions away from God's way, but also just like as we go about in this world, man, we just keep messing things up a lot more yeah. from what God in, intended. So It's like a natural misalignment. So right. like if you just let your car drive without the steering wheel, if you're a little bit misaligned in your tires, it's going to veer naturally. That's right. And that's this picture. And, you know, it's that we constantly have to be grabbing that steering wheel to go back and follow God's way and make those choices because our naturalness is point is going away from that. Yeah, we're made to be rulers, right? God gave us this commission to rule and reign over the world in Genesis 1. And, uh, man, we just have this natural proclivity to uh, lead and rule our own way rather than walk in God's way and rule in God's way. See so many of the kings of the Old Testament. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Or the kings and leaders of Of today. today. (laughs) That's right. Mm. So, okay, so so we painted this kind of picture of what it means that we are a sinner. Mm -hmm. So we can can hold that truth, and for people, like like I said in my little intro, is I I think most people can accept, yeah, I I, I mess up. That sounds like me. That sounds like I... I, do bad things. I make wrong choices, and and I and I know that. It's, I don't like it about me, but mm-hmm. I know it's true. Yeah, and I leave a little bit of brokenness in my wake, even if I don't intend to. Sure. Like, man, that relationship kind of falls apart. There's this entropy, natural entropy, and just yeah. everything I do, man. Yeah, in this world, there's just a mess. So I, I think most people have an easy time holding that truth, and then there's this other truth about us being saints. Now, for some people, that might be a little uh, harder to understand. For some people, they're like, "Yeah, I, I, I get that." I, I, you know, as I said in the intro, I can, I can get that. But for some people, particularly if you grew up in a Catholic faith, being called a saint is almost like mm-hmm. gasp-worthy. Mm-hmm. So, can you uh, unpack this truth a little bit? Of what does the Bible say about us being saints? Yeah, when I hear the word saint, what comes to mind is either uh, Val Kilmer. The Saint. Yes. Okay. As a throwback. Yeah. A 90s uh, action classic. Yes. Um, <laughs> 90s action classic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, or you think about like those old medieval paintings, some dude or some lady with like a big halo and their hand is held up in a certain that's way. That's true. You may think about the New Orleans Saints. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. We're th- recording this on the day of the NFL draft. So, you know. There you go. It's kind of appropriate. I feel like we've we've exhausted the uh, the word saint. <laughs> I could keep going. I bet. <laughs> I bet you you could. But yeah, we uh, we often have this image of somebody like kind of set apart and like super holy, some halo, something special going on with them, and uh, that may be a good image. 
But then when we're like, wait, we're saints, mm-hmm. like that may feel crazy. So let's just dive into some some the narrative in Scripture about the word saint or holiness. So in the Hebrew, in the New Testament, or sorry, in the Old Testament, the word kadosh, which means set apart or holy, it connotes the sense of like otherness or apartness or sacredness. And if you think about this, this is the other line that has continued all the way through, that you have Adam and Eve carrying the very breath of God. So there's this set-apartness that even in all of the cosmos, uh, humanity is made in the image of God. And so there's this set-apartness already, this holiness. Um, And then you go to, uh, you have Cain and Abel, it's a big old mess, but then you have the line of Seth, where it's like, okay, and they called upon the name of the Lord. And so you have this this line all throughout the world kind of falling apart and all the mess that leads to then Noah and then Abram and then Moses and these, these people that were kind of this, uh, this picture of the remnant, this group of people that are called out and set apart by God to carry out God's mission in the world. And um, this beautiful moment happens there uh, in Exodus 19, uh, when God's people are being set apart for this grand mission. Uh, if you remember in, in Genesis 12, 3, uh, God says to Abram, I will bless you that you would bless the world. Mm-hmm. And that's this idea of like, okay, Abram, you're still a sinner. We'll talk about that. You're still a mess, but I'm setting you apart for this grand mission. And then you have the uh, the people of Israel, the the Hebrew slaves that are set free from from Egypt, and God says to the people of Israel there at Mount Sinai, He says in Exodus nineteen six, "You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." Uh, these are the words you're supposed to speak to the Israelites, hmm. and so right here. What God is saying is, I want you, the people of Israel, to be this set apart, this holy nation, this priesthood. Now, this gets picked up later to yeah. talk about the the church. The beauty of this, right, is a priest is meant to be set apart. They're meant to be this group of people who stand in the gap between God and this world. Mm. Uh, they bring the prayers and the praises of the world and offer that to God. And then they reflect the goodness and beauty and... Um, reign and rule of God into this world. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like this angled mirror. That's this picture of what a priest is meant to be. Sure. And that's like the set apart, holy, special place. Now, these priests were still sinners. And so when they would come into the presence of God, there would be this sacrifice and you'd Whole sprinkle ceremony, some yeah. some blood to like make this space okay for a sinner to both be sinner and saint. And we'll get to mm-hmm. that in a second. Um, now, What's cool is this this concept, this line of like you're set apart for this grand work in this world. Um, this continues all the way through, of course, to Jesus, who's this perfect picture uh, of, of saint, of the one that stands in the gap between God and this world yeah, um, and makes God's presence known in this world and then brings the sin and the brokenness and all of the wrongness in the world and offers these broken humans up to God. Mm. Um, now, this the, the verse that I think summarizes the reality of both sinner and saint in such a crazy way is 1 Corinthians 1-2. So it's the very beginning of the letter to the church in Corinth. 
And uh, Paul writes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those being sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be holy, together with all those in every place that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as you dig into this language, it's, it's really, really interesting because it's basically saying to the church of God in Corinth, to those being made holy mm-hmm. in Christ and who are called holy. So you have this two it's double saying, reality yeah. mm-hmm. that this group of people are both being made holy, mm-hmm. but then they're called holy right now. So there's this already but not yet reality yeah. of being set apart, of being holy, of being um, kind of called out from the world. In fact, the word church is crazy. Uh, it's called ecclesia. Mm-hmm. Out, ek is out from, and then klesia comes from kaleo, which means to call. So the church, when we throw around the word church, you know, we're saddleback church. Mm-hmm. The word church, the roots of it, the he- the the Greek of it is called out ones. We are mm-hmm. called out from the world. We are the remnant. We are the set apart ones for this grand mission and this grand work. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, this, this first Corinthians one, two really gets at it, I think, because look, if we're honest, we go, okay, that's a fine biblical story. I don't feel holy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a mess. Now I know that God has given me this grand mission in the world to bring his goodness and his beauty and to reflect all of that into this world. But goodness sakes, like I, I'm not holy. Uh, but then God says, you are, yeah, I'm going to call you holy. (laughs) (laughs) And I think of it almost like, um, I was trying to think of a few examples as I was driving in today. I, I think about it like, um, a new role. So you're, you get a new leadership role or whatever in your job and they say, you're the leader of this. And you're like, okay, well, that's what I'm called as. Yeah. But goodness sakes, I'm not a leader yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm not leading in this space yet. Yeah. And so you're both growing as a leader in this space, but you're also called that right away. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's us as, as saints. We're called it by God because we are in Christ. Uh, his goodness, his holiness is then placed over us mm. um but then we're still being made holy i think of it like uh adoption right so you are adopted into a family your last name has changed like mm. you're in the family now you are called a member of this family yeah uh, but then there's this whole process of like really attaching to this family and reflecting the values and reality of this family that like you're both it's it's already your last name has changed, but it's not yet yeah. because you're still growing in that space. Yeah, I think I think that helps to paint the picture for people who are experiencing some confusion over how they should be thinking of themselves. Right? Is this am I the sinner or am I the saint? And that reality is is you literally are living and operating in both realities. Is because while we were while we are on earth we're still going to make wrong choices we're still going to as you said um operate in ways that go against god's desired plan for all things and we have that that misalignment that we talked about that we that so easily fall victim to over and over and over again <laughs> but at the same time we have that new role we have that calling upon our lives we are called out we are and that's in it seems like what 
is going on underneath all this that helps is that sanctifiedness, which is that process of being made holy. Is you are called holy, but you're also being washed, being made holy. You're going through this, and it's a daily resurgence. It's that daily bread that's needed. It's that daily, you know, that idea of mercies are made new every day. Mm-hmm. It's because we so desperately need that. Yeah. Yeah, when we say yes to Jesus, it's like, dude, you're in. Yeah. Uh, but goodness sakes, we're not reflecting Jesus yet. <laughs> but what's so cool about this is if you think about in any other sphere of life, it's when you grab hold to a new identity, when you are told you are a leader of this area or whatever, you know, you get that yeah. new job. You are the leader. Yeah, that that is your job. That, that is your role. That is. And that actually helps you grow into that. Yeah. And so there's something that, again, in God's grand wisdom, he knows how we function. Sometimes what we need is a new name, and that allows us to live into that new name. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't ask you to prep to talk about this, but I think there's something that's so special and unique about Christianity in this, in accepting that that is different than other religions. Other religions, you are trying to reach this perfection, this place where you are doing no wrong. Mm-hmm. and Or this idea that you can only get to heaven or paradise or whatever it is if you are doing a certain amount of good or you're not doing wrong things. And it, or, you know, you're trying to reach this plane of I'm, I'm above badness. Mm. And what this is saying is like, we know is God knows us well enough to know y- y'all going to be stuck in this, mm-hmm. but I've still given you the new name. You're still in the family. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, and that's because of Jesus, but that's what's, I think that's so unique and special about this, this personal God that we have who loves us so much, who knows us so much to know that y'all going to try, but it's not, <laughs> but I know you well enough to know not to expect perfection on, on this side of earth. Like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it is a human anthropology that uh, in other uh, faith traditions that would say it would either diminish our, um, our brokenness yeah. and say, well, you can work your way with just the right set of decisions or just the right knowledge uh, or the right power. You can just... You can achieve for yourself. You can earn some level of holiness. Um, and then on the other side, it can also be maybe too much of a high view of our of ourselves. And we say, well, you know what? We are already that. The world is great. We all get along. Things are fantastic. Um, and I think at the, at the root of it, we must embrace both of these realities. And they actually work together way more than we think that they do. Yeah. Because when we as humans realize that at the core of it, we are so jacked up that we need God himself to come down to save us. Yeah, There's a certain freedom that comes from that to just go, look, I can't do this on my own. In fact, I b- believe the start of every Christian journey should start with, <laughs> I can't, can't do, do this on my own. Yeah. Um, at the same time, we then aren't left there. There yeah. is a... a a telos, an end goal, a, a beautiful image of what God wants us to grow into through his power and with our involvement. I was just talking about this with our friend Linda yesterday. 
about this idea that we, it, the more time we spend with God, the closer we are to him, the more connection, the more alignment, the more, um, um, the more we abide in him, I think the more we recognize the brokenness in our lives, the more we see it's painting a clearer picture of our brokenness. And we see all these different areas that we weren't even aware of our sin in these ways. But by being so close to him who was purely holy, mm-hmm. we're able to see all of the imperfections in us a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So the I, I, so I think, I don't think it's the reality necessarily that, the more time you spend with God, like the less sin you're going to have. Yeah, like sure is is as is the more that you are connected with the Holy Spirit, and the more time that you are spending, spending focused and with God in your life, then yes, you will probably you will be able to make better choices, and you will see and bring God into the decision making more, and you will be steered in of in that right direction. But also at the same time, you will start seeing all the other cracks that you may not have even noticed existed before. Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing because God wants to meet you in those places too. He's giving you that opportunity to get more of Him to fill in all these other cracks that you didn't even see existed. Yeah, I mean, this is why the holiest people that I know are the most um, clear about their brokenness. Paul's like, "I'm the I'm the greatest sinner." Yeah, what would what would cause that type of a perspective? I think it's when you spend more time with his face shining upon you, mm-hmm. you have a broader understanding of just how good he is and you get a bigger picture of the good he intends for both you and for the world. Mm-hmm. And so in contrast, you become less and less and less. You yeah. look, you feel smaller and smaller, the bigger and bigger and gooder that God gets. <laughs> yeah. uh, but at the same time, you are actually growing beautifully through all of that and growing more and more into reflecting his image and his goodness. I want to transition slightly and talk a little bit about what people often, I think, feel when they're stuck in this confusion, in this tension between being a sinner and a saint. Because I've talked to enough people to know that a lot of people really struggle with this idea and they feel deep guilt or shame or just these feelings of being a fake or a phony or a fraud. Like, how is it like, I'm supposed to be this Christian. I'm supposed to be like this person who does good, who loves God and may, you know, is making better choices. And yet I find myself still just the worst, you know, mm-hmm. I find myself mm-hmm. still just frustrated in my inability to be who I think I should be. Mm. So can we talk just a little bit about, um, I should, I, I should frame it this way. What can we say to, to somebody who may be in the middle of r- this moment? Like they're wrestling with these emotional struggles about, um, about feeling like they are not in the place where they should be. As a Christian, yeah, I mean, I I totally get the feeling. I I know it well. Every Christian who's walked with Jesus knows it well. Mm-hmm. And um, for some reason, the image that immediately came to mind when you were talking was the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, because 
I think the tendency of what we want to do is power up. Mm. Um, if I just try harder, if I just grasp the wheel a bit more, if I can just white knuckle this through, then I'll get to the other side and I'll be holy. And there's something um, beautifully hard about what Jesus does on the cross. There's a sacrifice, a laying down of your life that uh, that is the way towards holiness. Mm. And, you know, a lot of times this struggle, we make it so much about the ethics of the thing. Like, I just want to make good moral, ethical decisions. And if we're doing that in our own power, if we're doing that towards our own end and it's driving towards guilt and shame and all that brokenness, um, man, it's going to just, it's going to continue to press us away from the love of God and the grace of God. Now, yes, be saddened by your brokenness. Mm -hmm. You know, read uh, Romans 7. Like, Paul, you can tell, is just like, I just keep doing the things I don't want to do. Uh, But praise the Lord for Mm -hmm. what Jesus has done. And so I I would start by saying, okay, where where can I follow the example of the cross uh, that Jesus laid out for me? Where do I need to die to myself? and uh and live into him and over and over again this is where uh this is where the new testament writers go that to get to the other side to living as christ means death to the self and the resurrection into new life now i know that that seems really amorphous but let me just i'll 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 make it a bit more practical um so let's say that you are struggling with that hurt and that habit and that you're just like, man, I just keep carrying this hurt and it is continuing to cause me to mess up. I don't want to do this. I just, but I, I feel like I don't have power over it. Mm. Maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to be given in that hurt. Maybe there's something you're clenching onto and what you're wanting to do is grab that tighter and maybe that will get you through the other side. And maybe what needs to be happening is an open-handed forgiveness and maybe that will release some of that tension and release it to Jesus and um, can help direct you in a different way. Yeah. And there could very well be other underlying things that are going on from your family of origin. Uh, You know, all this stuff that we talked about in last week's conversation with Todd Olthoff. So um, if you hadn't listened to that one, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one. Um, but yeah, I think just kind of giving yourself some grace because God gives you immense grace. You can afford to give yourself a little grace, <laughs> I think, <laughs> of just knowing that, yeah, we that this happens. Sin is not okay. And God would be the first to say, sin isn't okay, but I love you anyway. I love you. And, you know, and we, and like you said, thank God by the, by the grace and, 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 by, and by the work of Jesus is that we know we have a new reality. A new identity. A and new living identity. into that, gosh, yeah. it just does wonders, right? Like, uh, think about any relational turmoil that you may have. Uh, think about, like, in a marriage, and, and you're in the middle of an argument. The moment to be reminded of, like, wait, you love me, yeah, and I love you, and we love each other. Mm-hmm. What that does to just name that reality and that, identification of I am the beloved of you, it changes the entire deal. I, I, I got to add in here that often what guilt and shame does, 
uh, that's often the work of sin and the consequences of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, in the biblical story, this is exactly what the evil one uses to then isolate. And so one of the other pieces that will often happen is as you beat up on yourself and say, look, I am so incompetent. I'm a mess. Uh, nobody should love me. I suck. You're going to slowly just like isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is the worst thing you can do mm-hmm. uh, because that will perpetuate the realities of sin, which is that you're alone. You're not called out with any other part of the community. You are not a saint. You're a mess. That is that is simply not the whole picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are part of a called out community if you are a follower of Jesus. So find that community and rely on others. Don't let it isolate you. Yeah, and at the same time, even having those people in your life to serve as accountability partners, you know, the people, you know, the the people that you are um, open up, open enough with that you find trustworthy enough to say, you know, to say, I'm, I'm struggling with this, right? And you can talk about that, talk about those temptations, talk about those feelings, talk about those sin, have those people that you can have confession as a part of your relationship with. Yes. And that just, that frees that brokenness. Again, uh, you know, we did a whole episode on confession a couple of weeks ago. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Just, and we talk a lot about that power that it, it just, it loosens those strongholds, those bindings that, that oftentimes we force ourselves into, or, you know, it, those lies that the enemy tells us about ourselves, you know, you are worthless, you know, you know, you, why would God ever want to save someone like you? Yeah, or you're you're the only person that's like this. Like one yeah. of the beauties of confession is the shared reality of like, oh yeah, we we're all messes, aren't we? You know, yeah. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Life Together talks about how um, if we're more comfortable confessing to God than another broken sinner, <laughs> it's that we don't fully understand the holiness of God or the um, reality that we are just like other humans. Yeah. So like mm. it should be actually easier for us to confess to another sinner because sure. we can agree. Yeah. We're all mess, man. And there's something beautiful about noticing that and naming that to actually build that sense of community. But then also to say the beautiful truth is we are the called out ones. Yeah. So let's continue to strive and to seek after his kingdom and his righteousness. Yeah. I think spending time going back through and reading some of the stories of some of the, even the main players in the Bible is, are the, is you are reminded of these pictures of imperfect people who God loved deeply, mm-hmm. right? You mentioned Paul and his, he, his wrestling with, I, I keep doing the things that I don't want to do. And I, and I don't know why I do this. You know, I, I'm the worst sinner of all the, that, that type of mentality. And yet we, we, we see, the work that God did in Paul's life and through Paul, we see that love. You know, you can look at David and you can see all these wrong things that he did. And yet with that shared reality of being beloved by God and being a man after God's own heart. Yeah. The beauty of what Paul did, right. Is he was integrated. Like he names this stuff, not as much as a struggle, but because it means, well, I must decrease. He must increase that. Like, when I'm honest about my brokenness, that is when I'm dying to myself and then I can live in Christ. Mm. It's no longer I who live, but him who lives in me. And so what Paul has done when we hear him saying these things, I don't think of it as this uh, 
hand wringing. Oh my goodness, this is so difficult. It's a look. I'm naming this reality. Yeah, I'm a mess, but I'm now alive in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, by integrating those two realities, I think this is why Paul can just st- stand up and walk into any of these towns and just be like, "I'm confident about the <laughs> calling that God has on my life." Yeah. Um, I think if he continued to identify with his past sin and brokenness, he wouldn't have been able to walk into oh, those oh, towns. Totally, yeah. Um, he's like, yeah. In fact, the worse my sin, the greater my savior. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I can name that. That's a reality. I'm not going to try to hide it or pretend like it's not there. Um, but goodness sakes, like I have a new mission. I have a new identity. I'm part of a new family. And so, uh, that was my old way. Yeah. And even when that old way shows up, I know what I'm called into. I know the new way that I'm, that I'm, um, the new trajectory that I'm on because of Christ. Yeah. So, for anybody who has been struggling with with this tension, are there some resources or something that we can point people to, some things that we can say, hey, spend time thinking about this or spend time in this um, to really help to um, continue people on this path of really understanding what this integration means and, and how to live that out? Mm. Yeah, I think my, f- my first suggestion would be tell stories tell stories with the people that you love that are also in Christ, hear each other's stories and hear how God has brought good out of even evil, hear how people have struggled and wrestled and how then through kind of death to the self and coming alive in Christ, they've, they've not done away with that entirely, but like, you know, that sin that felt like it could never be defeated is Mm -hmm. no longer, uh, snatching me like it does not like God says to Cain like you're ruling over it now mm-hmm. Jesus is ruling over that sin in your life so tell these stories and hear these stories um, and there's just such good when Christians can come together and tell the stories of God's goodness and of his sanctification and his making holy work yeah. in us and, and then listen listen to those stories and let them give you hope mm-hmm. um few things have given me hope more than hearing from somebody that like this thing that I'm struggling with now, they struggled with it. And now God has redeemed that and restored that. Mm. Um, he does that work. Yeah. Um, as far as other resources, you know, any, any bit where you can look into the Bible, even a Google search of like, who does God say that I am? Like what passages of scripture talk about who God says that I am just spending some time in how God names you and identifies you is, is really beautiful. I know um, we had a series called this is our story um, and it hung out in Genesis one through four and kind of dug into it's big term biblical anthropology of like, what does the Bible say about who we are as humans? Yeah. And uh, that could be a helpful. Listen, yeah, so so we'll put the links to those episodes. We actually ran, uh, this is our story, on, on this podcast a number of years ago. Uh, so so uh, we'll put the links to those episodes. I, I wanted to add a couple of other ideas. One, to go off of the listening and telling stories part, go and watch baptisms yeah. at your church. Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're at Saddleback, um, at the Lake Forest campus, we do baptisms after every service. Um, if you're at, at a different church, you know, always always look out for when the baptisms 
are going to be and go and watch. So good. Because those are amazing stories of God's redeeming work in people's lives. Yeah. They come up out of the water, not as a fully perfect person, yeah, but with a new identity. Yeah. The already but not yet is clear the as you come up out of the water. already but not yet. Yeah. That present future tense. That's right. <laughs> and then... Um, and then from foundations, there uh, it, it was a, a course that was done at Saddleback, and, and um, it covers some different doctrinal truths. And there's some sessions on sanctification. So I'll put the links to those videos as well. If you want to dive into more of like everything that the Bible says around the, the doctrinal topic of sanctification, you can watch those videos as well. It's really good. Yeah, I know that that sounded not like a hoot, but it is. It is. Really I mean, it, it's re- yeah, it's really great information <laughs> to really help. To, it really is to help to bolster your faith and yep. be like, oh, okay, I, I can. I want to. Ex- I accept this. This is yes. great. Yeah. Um, and then I had another. What did I say? Baptisms. I said foundations. Foundations. I had. Oh, this was it. If you if you are in those emotional places like we talked about, if you really get struggled with guilt, shame, um, anger, frustration, those things, and you have a hard time getting out of those places with this, I know from some people I've talked with that having a worship playlist, having a music playlist helps. So take time to like make yourself a playlist about songs about your identity right? Songs about who God says you are. Songs about redeeming broken things. Songs about just God's love for you, no matter what. There's like probably hundreds of songs around this topic. Find some to make a playlist out of and just have that be your go-to and just let that kind of wash over you. Just let that fill the air. If you're stuck in bed and you're just, just wrestling with this, just let that music fill the air mm. of your room instead of of the silence, which is just going to be room for those false stories, those false narratives to keep coming up. Yeah, fill the air with some some music pointing you back to God, and just let those uh, songs and the singers just love on you in those moments. It's good. Um, that's all I got. Anything else from you on this? on this topic? Uh, yeah. I mean, we didn't totally touch as much on, on the other side of the spectrum. If you, uh, just think that you're really awesome and you're not aware of your own brokenness. That's true. Uh, but be aware of your own brokenness. (laughs) (laughs) Ask somebody else to point it out to you. Yeah. Yeah. If you need it. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I I think the tendency for so many of us is this deep, um, this deep, worry and fear and uh, guilt and shame about the ways that we are broken and we leave brokenness in our wake because because we know what we were made for. Yeah. Because we know that what we yearn for is to leave good in our wake. Like um, the, the passage in Timothy talks about that reading the Bible is to fully equip you to do good to everyone, right? That That's the type of life that we yearn for because that's what the type of life that we were made for. And I'll tell you, it's possible through the power of Jesus yeah. to live that way and leave good and beauty in your wake. 
Well, I mentioned this in the intro, but you can listen to more Brandon on The Well and The Found Podcasts from Saddleback. Brandon, thanks for uh, being here to talk about sin with us. My pleasure. <laughs> more this is great. Sanctification. Yeah, that's us. right. That's right. <laughs> um, friends, we love you. We'll be back with another fun new episode of Doable Discipleship next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week